What if we were to sit down to coffee together and I said, you're being lied to. In fact, you're being lied to thousands and thousands of times a day. I mean, what would go through your mind? You'd think, well, who is it? What happened? And you'd probably feel angry. And we are sitting down together. We are together and I am telling you, you're being lied to thousands and thousands of times a day. And it's causing you stress, it's causing you anxiety, <laughs> and, it's, and it's changing your life. So uh, we're going to get to this passage. I wanna invite you to turn to Matthew chapter six, verses 19 and 21, and we'll get there in just a minute. But before we do, I uh, wanted to just uh, review like that we're in this series on simplicity, and it's not your typical message on simplicity. It's deeper than organizing your home. It's deeper than getting real deep into your finances. We're talking about simplicity of heart. Where's our life focused? Which, which direction is our life going? And, and, um, and is, is our life and our, our, our life too complex? And as a little bit of, of a review, last week we talked about the first words of Jesus that John records in his gospel are, what do you want? And he does this on purpose. He's uh, doing theology with history. And Jesus is asking these people following, them, following him, what do you want? And the last, one of the, and the last question Jesus asks in that same gospel is, do you love me? And I've been thinking about those bookends and that's like our journey uh, following Jesus is what do we want and aligning our wants with what Jesus wants and, and do we really love Jesus? And the only way we can change our wants and desires is to spend time with Jesus. And the cool thing about that is that's what reduces our anxiety. That's what reduces our, our frustration level, our depression level, like what we need. God, we have access to that all the time. And we live in this culture that continuously uh, tries to get, it's very successfully uh, getting us to think that there's something else out there that will just solve our problems or make our lives easier. Maybe one more gadget. I'm a gadget guy. I love gadgets, but I haven't bought a single uh, gadget in my entire life that has delivered everything that it, that it promised. I was walking through my house this week and just looking in different cabinets, and uh, I saw my, my power juicer, and I never forget, I'll never forget seeing that commercial going like, that's what my life has been missing. The ability to juice up two tons worth of parsley into a little tiny glass and get all those nutrients, that, that's gonna solve everything. It's gonna make me smarter, it's gonna make me faster, and don't, don't get me wrong, the juice was amazing and it, it did what it, what it said it would do as far as the juice goes. But in that message, I thought it would somehow complete my life and it felt, it felt way, way short. And our, 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 our consumerist culture plays on our God-given wiring that we desire meaning, we desire completion, but it twists it because uh, we're, we're made to want things. But the trick for us is pointing our hearts at the things that will actually bring us contentment, fulfillment, joy, those deeper things than, the, than those just momentary fleeting hits of adrenaline or, or the shallow kind of happiness, which uh, we'll, we'll get to our text in just a, a moment. What, what we're going for is simplicity. And I think the, the interesting thing is that the opposite of simplicity isn't complex. 
the opposite of simplicity is shallow. Like uh, not living a life of deep meaning that we were meant to. But in and instead, we do. We clutter our lives with all kinds of different things. Uh, and and our, our whole journey of being apprenticed to Je Jesus is about spending time with Jesus and allowing Jesus to transform the things that we want and our, our unconscious, ha unconscious habits. Like for those of you who drive, uh, have you ever just kind of uh, just realized like, whoa, I'm driving down the freeway. How did I get in this car? Or I'm already at my destination. Maybe you pick up the phone to do something or your mind's somewhere else. Like it can happen easily. And we realize I'm driving this multi-ton vehicle down the road at high speeds and I was, wasn't even thinking about it. But it wasn't that way when you first started. Uh, especially those of us that know how to drive a manual transmission car and you're starting to drive and you're doing that weird dance and you're stalling out. You had to, you had to spend an enormous amount of thought of, uh, and put it into driving. Or for those of you that, that play what I call big boy golf, like I, I had someone uh, try to teach me how to play golf once, like not putt-putt, uh, that's more my speed. But like all the different ways you hold the club and hold your hips just like this, and then they like put your arms around you and swing, and you're like, this feels too romantic. I thought we were gonna do sportsy stuff, like stop touching me. Um, but I'm told if you stick with it, Eventually, you just think about where you want the ball to go, and muscle memory takes over. Um, typing's the same way. We could go on and on. Uh, and, and we unconsciously, if we're just sleepwalking through life, going through life on autopilot, surrounded by the, the inundation of advertising and the messages we receive from our culture, we can pick up these unconscious, anti-Christ-type habits and that's the journey of what we call discipleship, is retraining our emotions, retraining our minds, and retraining um, even our desires consciously. And at first, it's gonna feel like we're stalling the car a little bit or slicing the ball off into the rough. But luckily, Jesus is merciful and kind, and, and we can pick up these new habits as, as we gather together like this, as we spend time with Jesus, but also spending time together. This is a, a time where we, we get to retrain our brains and point our hearts back towards Jesus again. So last week we had a little bit of homework to spend the first 10 minutes of your day uh, thinking, about, um, thinking about Jesus and saying, okay, God loves me, I love God. Like, what is God up to today? Like, God, what are you gonna? What do you? What can I be a part of today? What What do you care about? How did you do last week? Oh, I'm I'm waiting for you to comment. Just comment down below. And there's no judgment here. Uh, no judgment at all. Maybe you forgot, or whatever. But I'd I'd love to hear how that journey of of doing that last week. And we called this new rhythm a liturgy. Something that we are all doing, even though we're not in the same room doing it. We're all doing it together. And I'd love to hear how that went. Did it, did it open up other pockets where you're like, I didn't even realize God was involved in this, in my job or with my kids. And uh, just staying in tune to that a little bit more opened up this whole new area of, of God's involvement in my, in my life. Or maybe you blew it. That's totally, like, that's all part of it. You're not gonna be perfect the first time we try anything. So uh, don't give up. And we'll have some more uh, new things we can try this week. And that's coming here in just a second. So um, the way of Jesus is, uh, is something that we practice. So now this series is not just about like what we think, 
but it's also about what we do and putting into practice the words of Jesus. So with that, with that being said, let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this passage goes on to talk about um, what we do with our eyes. It talks about our money. It talks about our worry and our stuff. It even talks about clothing. Don't even worry about what you'll wear. And it encourages us to look and, and point our hearts towards God's kingdom. And uh, this part, this last part, flipping back to, to verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Growing up in church, I've heard this verse almost to the point where it's become cliche, but it's not. And on first wording, it always seems wrong to me, even now, after 42 years of, of following Jesus, because I always think, oh, well, um, like wherever my heart goes, that's where my treasure will go. Like this is a place that Jesus is pointing to us and pointing out to us saying, this is one way that you can participate in reshaping your desires. When you tell your treasure where to go, your heart will follow that. It still blows my mind. And it's, yeah, it definitely includes our resources, but we're talking holistically here today. Well, your time, uh, the, the talents, what you put your talents towards, what you put your attention to, like these are treasures, your affections. That's a treasure only you can give. Are you gonna put it towards, um, towards God and your family and then hobbies and your work? Or are you gonna get the order mixed up? Where you, wherever you put your treasure, your heart and your desires, the things that you want will follow that. So it's not let your heart decide where your treasure goes. I would put it like this, but decide where your treasure goes to move your heart there. Now, if there was a, if there was a, uh, a scientist studying your life, and this is a scary question for me, and, and making careful observations about where you spend your money, where you spend your time, um, how you're choosing to live your life, would they say like, okay, we've made a careful observation over several weeks and we conclude that this person is, is putting their, um, their whole heart into the things that God cares about? Or, or would the, the person say something else um, and say, you know, they, they really love, and yeah, I'm not picking on one person in particular, like there's this, this concept, this temple that they go to worship at online and um, uh, maybe it's a jungle, it's called Amazon, and they go and they spend lots of time there. Or, or there's this, uh, this place they go to worship and, um, and they, they, they find community there and they're, they're engaging in something called reruns of friends or whatever it is. Um, what, what would this cultural anthropologist say about your life? Uh, and I'm not saying that to, to guilt anybody, but when I thought about my life, I was like, oh my goodness, um, looking at it through that lens, like there's a lot of ways that I'm spending my treasure in places that's not giving me the same return. And I'm not getting that sense of fulfillment and contentment that, that would come when I'm putting my treasure in the right place and my heart's going to the right place. So the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus speaks deeply to our wants. It, takes, it, it speaks deeply to our desires and not just 
our thoughts. Um, this tells us that, that, that when we address this and spend time with God, like we'll begin believing the right things. Our perspective will be right when we're putting our treasure in the right place. Uh, and it takes a lot to retrain our desires. And uh, I learned this especially when I got married. There were a lot of desires I had to retrain because Marie and I, uh, my wife Marie and I, we came from completely different worlds. She grew up in Wea, New Hampshire, and uh, a family, like her dad uh, was at home and his hobby, I mean, I love this guy, but his hobby was farming, not his profession. Like he would come home from work to farm and not just like an herb garden, but like cows and livestock. And for some reason, visiting his house, date, uh, dating my wife, and then after I was married, for some reason, his pigs are always named Mike. I've never like understood that coincidence, but um, like that was his desire. And they had, um, they they lived in the woods, and I, I grew up at the beach in Florida. And uh, the, Marie's family always like ate dinner around the table, and I grew up like a lot of times uh, just eating dinner uh, out with my family because we were in church stuff and we were meeting with different ministry families. And like part of me, I like grew up at the Olive Garden. I had the, mem uh, the menu memorized by the time I was 13. I knew what I wanted. Um, but when we got married, it, it was like so many things I had to retrain. And uh, I worked right next to this magical place called Taco Bueno and their chicken potato burrito. Oh my goodness. But I remember uh, going over the bank statements with my new wife. And she's saying like, you wait out for lunch? And I was like, yeah, that's what you do. And she's like, we have food in the refrigerator. Why didn't you pack a lunch? And I was like, are you speaking English? Like what language is that? Um, I remember coming home uh, and, uh, from work and just turning the TV on and just to have the, the ambiance. And she's like, what are you watching? I was like, oh, nothing. I'm just doing stuff around the house. She's like, well, why is the TV on? I was like, well, that's what you do. And like, these things aren't necessarily right or wrong, they're just different, but it took a lot of retraining for me um, to, to, to figure out like, what do I want? And there were some things that I actually saw that like her way was actually better than mine. Like one day she handed me one of these things that was kind of cold and orange and it was crunchy. And it wasn't deep fried or steamed, it was a raw carrot. And I was like, this is delicious, what is this? She's like, it's healthy food. And I was like, ah, this is, so I started eating healthy food. Thank goodness for my wife. But it took a lot of, of conscious retraining and I'm, I'm still working on it, um, but a lot of conscious retraining uh, to get my desires uh, to go and point towards something that was actually good for me. So uh, that's, that's the journey we're on, to have all of our instinct become Jesus-shaped, to have Jesus-shaped influences and Jesus-shaped instincts in our life, but we're doing it in the context of a culture that worships at the altar of consumerism. Uh, that's probably the big, one of the biggest sins in our, in our culture globally right now. Like there was this whole thing when South Korea started, um, started coming out of the COVID lockdowns, there was a hashtag that was trending called revenge shopping. And it was people making up for lost times and just going out and spending crazy amounts of money. And they're probably burning off anxiety and all kinds of things uh, like that. But I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like that says, I mean, that, there's so many different layers to that. 
And um, if you've been around here a while, you probably already know I'm a huge nerd. And if you're brand new uh, to Solid Ground, my goodness, you gotta know I love Star Trek. And there's these, uh, these aliens in Star Trek called the Ferengi. And they had a whole religion built around profit, built on uh, consumerist. And they had their, their Bible was the rules of acquisition. And there were hundreds of rules uh, around earning profit. Uh, don't put family before profit. Um, uh, never give money back. Um, uh, uh, war is good for profit. And then the next uh, rule is peace is also good for profit. Um, and uh, my favorite rule is if no rule applies, make one up. But they, they like had this religion where they would go to the great tower of commerce and you always had to put a little slip of money in there. And, um, and, uh, and then you would rub these statues and it would bring you good fortune in your business and stuff. And they were really fun to watch, but I'm thinking what a commentary on our society. Because um, uh, we have this religion of consumerism that is antithetical to uh, the words of Jesus that we just read. He said, hey, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't worry about even, you know, he talks about your clothes. Like even in first century Palestine, they didn't have that, that impulse of, I have nothing to wear. They had access to clothes. And I was thinking, I tell that lie myself all the time. And I'm, I'm a dude. Like, I, is, are my clothes fairly clean? Like, I'm not super into that fashion stuff. But how many times have I looked through the closet and said, mm, I have nothing to wear? But looking at it through the lens of this, like, I have clothes to wear. I have everything that I need. I'm telling that lie myself. And there's other lies in this religion of consumerism that I want to talk to you about here. Uh, the first one is, I need salvation, therefore I shop. We've already hit on that just a little bit. But how many times do we try to, to pick up our mood by just buying something? And buying something isn't a sin. But there are so many times where I've done this. I found myself scrolling through Amazon or just wanting to think like, oh, if I just had one more gadget, that would distract me from the pain I'm feeling right now, the depression I'm feeling right now. If I could just go and, uh, you know, even just walk through a store or something. Um, but it's unhealthy when we use that to avoid the real issues in our life. And and that, that lie that um, I... I can find salvation through something that I acquire. Uh, the second one is, I shop, therefore I am. Uh, that hit of adrenaline, that, that makes me feel alive. Or, or I, I have this thing and now I'm somebody, even if I've saved up for it. Like, okay, now once I finally get that one thing, it's easier to, to, to make fun of teenagers for this. As adults, we hide it a little bit better. But I remember, wanting Air Jordan sneakers so badly. And I thought, if I just have that, then I'll be somebody. Um, but that's a lie. Like our identity does not come from the possessions that we have. And uh, I shop, uh, I shop with others, therefore I belong. This one takes a little bit of explaining, but I, I would see, um, or I see other people have things or, uh, and think, ooh, if I had that, then I would be in the group. Oh, if, 
you know, if I just had an iPhone, then I wouldn't get the, the text messages that come out of order and have to be a, a detective to figure out what this iPhone user is texting me in this long novel. Then I could be in the club. Or if I just had uh, this type of Android phone, then, then I'll have community. Like, no. Um, or if I have something no one else has, then, then, I, then other people will want to be around me. Those things are, are, are lies that we believe. Uh, this verse in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So right where you are, I wanna invite you uh, to just say this out, out loud. Be content with what you have. Don't you hate that line? <laughs> this isn't a, a thump on the, on the head from me. I'm just saying, oh my goodness. We can be content with what we have because God will never leave us. And if we're, we're constantly focused on what we think we need instead of focusing on the source, like God, God, I feel this, and, and bringing that, that perceived lack to it, God wants to fulfill that for you, whether it, it is material or, or, um, or emotional or physical, like God wants us to continually go to him and rely on God for all of our needs. And he, God will be true to his word that he will never leave us and never forsake us. He's a parent unlike any we've ever known. That's the good news. And if as, as a parent as flawed as I am, I want my kids to have everything they need. Uh, there's a lot of times they ask for stuff they don't need. And I'm like, yeah, and, and that's a hard conversation to have as a parent. I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry, daughter. We choose not to spend our money that way. Um, but I, I definitely want them to have everything they need. Um, but these, this religion of consumerism, uh, at best, at best, it can just bring a surface level of healing when we acquire a new gadget, when we acquire whatever it is we think will bring us that fulfillment. It, at best, it will provide just a momentary relief from the issues that God wants to go deep down into the core of our soul and heal our hurts, but also heal our misshapen, inwardly bent desires and show us that there's this big world out there. And when we approach life, like we attempted to do last week, going, God, there's people out there that need help. There's people out there that need, um, need community. There's people that need uh, material help and physical help. Like, how can I be a part of it? How can you use me today? The fulfillment that that brings and the, the realignment of those desires, that's where you find uh, peace and true joy and contentment. So again, be content with what you have. That's my prayer this week, that, that God will make me content with what I have. So sometimes um, when we think about following Jesus, we, we think that to like take the next step forward uh, and to become more Christ-like, uh, there has to be this grand supernatural, maybe seeing something in the clouds or having somebody pray this prayer over you and you, you somehow get zapped and start making better choices. But in my experience and from the, the example, my mentors and the things I've read about Jesus followers who've come before us, these things happen in incredibly natural moments and incredibly natural behaviors. I call them super, all in caps, 
and natural <laughs> in, in lowercase, like super natural daily stuff. And that's where we see God show up. So I've got a couple ideas for these new works we can do together. This word we introduced last week, liturgy, this work, these ideas that we can do together. And the first one is to choose intentionally your worship habits. This is great. Your, your, uh, your pick-me-up uh, right at the beginning of our week and, and gathering together like this is a, is a great rhythm to have. But what's your habit uh, daily? Like, is it waking up 10 minutes earlier or um, uh, attending a life group middle of the week and processing what God is doing in the world and in your life midweek? Uh, what are those daily rhythms? And, and it's not classy. It's not like super flashy but choosing on, on purpose to make uh, God's presence a daily part of your rhythm to re, it resets our desires. And, re, and, and when we put our treasure there, that treasure in those rhythms, our heart follows along with them. Um, here's a fun one to try out. Maybe you can get together and uh, do this uh, with a life group or a couple of you that are watching online, even if you're in different states, do this experiment. Go to a store and buy nothing. But go like, like an observer, like you're a cultural anthropologist and go to whether it's an outdoor mall, indoor mall, or a big box store and just go in as an observer and watch like the emotions of people. Uh, take notes if you want. Like um, what emotions do you see in the store? What, what's the, what are the messages you see, the iconography the, <laughs> the, in there? Like what, what does it say about the good life? What are they trying to communicate to you um, as, a, as a casual shopper? Um, and, and, and then come back and discuss those and, um, and, and see, like, um, maybe you've seen it through different eyes. Uh, debrief that experience. Um, here's another one. Like, if you're shopping, uh, not like for necessity needs or, or whatever, but like if you're going out to buy something, just as an experiment, um, take a walk with Jesus for five minutes and say, Jesus, this thing I'm about to buy, will it make me love better? Because uh, sometimes there are things that you need to buy. And sometimes sometimes there's things that you buy that like, it's actually like God's blessing and it's totally okay. Uh, but just as an experiment, if you're about to buy something, just take a, a five minute walk with Jesus and say, God, is this thing I'm about to purchase, is it going to help me love others better? Um, and, and, and see what happens. Um, uh, give generously and regularly is four. And then uh, number five, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but uh, clothe yourselves with Christ. But I want to talk about that fourth one a little bit because um, when I say give generously and regularly, a lot of times I'll get an email and someone wants to know like, okay, sh should Christians tithe? And um, if you're new to the church thing, that means giving 10% of your income uh, back to the church. And that's uh, in, the, in the scriptures, it's a old, what we call an Old Testament concept. And some people will say, you know what, it's in the Bible, I believe it, that settles it, book closed. And then there's other Christians that say, oh, that's an Old Testament thing, so we can completely ignore it. And I don't think either extreme is, is where we are supposed to land. There's, a, there's another way, there's a third way to say, it's a healthy principle, it's in there, so how do we apply it in our, in our context, in our situation? Um, how, does, how does that affect our life now? Because 
the concept of living below your means and, and having radical generosity blesses the world. It pleases God's heart, but it's also good for us. Um, so um, try that out. Uh, give uh, generously and regularly to, to the church and, and to others and see how God uses that to mess with your heart in a good way. And uh, back to the fifth one, clothe yourself with Christ. There's biblical language that I'm using there. In Colossians 13 and also in the book of Romans, it talks about clothing ourselves with Christ. In Colossians, Paul says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. And some translations say, clothe yourselves with Christ, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. This passion uh, challenges us. That's where our challenge is, our homework for this week. You know, set your alarm 10 minutes earlier than usual and spend, your, uh, spend 10 minutes with God, uh, focusing on, God, you love me, what do you want me to do today? But then as you're getting dressed, think about getting ready with Jesus and think about putting Jesus on. Um, and, and as you're getting dressed, pray for these, um, that, that God would bend your desires towards the things that God wants and that those, those, there would be overlap there. And then for the rest of the day, use your clothing as a memory tool. So uh, if you're adjusting your pants like I have to sometimes or tying your shoe or whatever, think about like, okay, God, can you please make me more merciful? Can you please make me more content? God, help me to find my, my contentment in you and who you, and my identity in you. Every time you, you do anything with your clothes, use it as a, as a memory tool. So um, uh, then we can um, just have our hearts and attention, just focus back on Jesus for just a second. So I wanna uh, conclude by reading that, that scripture one more time. These are the words of Jesus. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I wanna invite you just wherever you are to bow your head and close your eyes and just reflect on where you're spending your best time, where you're spending uh, your treasures, your talents, your resources, and, uh, and invite Jesus. Not that he needs it, but give Jesus permission right now to point out any area of your life that you can uh, surrender to Jesus and give Jesus your best. Redirect those things. So let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, God, as only you can, uh, we ask that you would in this moment illuminate to us uh, areas where we've been searching for good things, but maybe in the wrong places. We ask that you would recalibrate in this moment our minds and fortify us against uh, lies that are out there in our culture. And would you please uh, speak loudly to us and help us to believe uh, that, that you are with us, that you are the provider. And we're trusting you in this moment to take care of all of our needs, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational. We give those to you. Uh, we surrender grief, fear, anxiety, and ask that you would begin to replace those and wash our, wash our minds and even our desires um, and make them pure. 
We pray this in Jesus' mighty and strong and powerful name. Amen. Thank you for spending a few moments with us. I want to remind you that uh, for everything going on at Solid Ground, you can go to sgbic.com. And please, while you're there, drop us a line. Uh, we'd love to pray with you uh, for any, any prayer requests you have and celebrate with you. Uh, so please let us know how you're doing. Drop us a line while you're there. And before we dismiss, I want to say a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you, and may the Lord give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, we'll see you soon. We love you.